Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. All right, we're continuing our series in the book of Jonah and beginning Jonah chapter 1. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 3 uh, in this session. So let me begin by reading these verses, and I'll say a short prayer before we get into it. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Father, as we begin looking through this book Uh, We pray that you would give us insight, pray for the listeners, that they would be able to consider these verses, and as we think through their application uh, to our own lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. So in Jonah chapter 1, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah. We've already talked about the prophet Jonah, the son of Amittai. And here in this verse, we see the word of the Lord is coming to this individual. This speaks and refers to us about the prophetic task. This is the communication of of God's word. The word of the Lord is God's message. It is revealed to Jonah as a prophet. Even though here in Jonah chapter 1, he's not explicitly called a prophet of God. We've seen that in 2 Kings 14.25, there he's talked about as Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet from Gath-Hefer. How did this communication take place? How did Jonah receive the word of the Lord? In this text here, we're not explicitly told. There are several ways in the Old Testament that individuals received the word of the Lord. And if we were to look at 1 Samuel chapter 3 in regard to Samuel the prophet from the time when he was a boy, I think we get a little bit of insight into some of the ways that the Lord communicated his word to the prophets, to certain individuals. 1 Samuel 3.1 says, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli. This is, of course, after his mother had left him at the tabernacle at Shiloh uh, to serve there. And the word of the Lord, it says, was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent. So one of the ways that the word of the Lord came to individuals was through visions, through visionary revelation. Uh, This could be dreams, it could be daydreams, it could be something like a a trance situation that occurred, but uh, this was one of the ways that the uh, the Lord communicated his word to the prophets. We see a little bit later on in 1 Samuel chapter 3, Samuel is in the tabernacle. It is late at night. He's sleeping and he hears a voice calling his name, Samuel, Samuel. And he thinks that this is 
Eli calling for him. So he gets up and goes to Eli and asks him, you called for me, what's going on? He comes to find out after several instances of this occurring that this is actually the Lord uh, vocally, audibly calling to the boy. And so Eli, of course, says to Samuel, go lay down. If you hear this voice again, you are to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And that's what Samuel does. He hears Uh, the voice one more time. He says, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So not only do we have the word of the Lord coming through visions, coming through dreams, and these sort of perhaps uh, trance-like revelatory instances, we also have the word of the Lord being audibly spoken at times to the prophets and communicated directly. Now, we don't know exactly what this sounded like. Was this a voice that other people could hear? Was this a voice in the head of the prophets that no one else could hear but them? So there are many different options for the method that the word of the Lord uh, came to Jonah, uh, but and we don't know exactly how it occurred, but per- perhaps and potentially through one of these means of revelation. I think we should understand Jonah chapter 1 verse 1 as being a subsequent historical situation to what we read about in 2 Kings 14.25. And I'll read that verse again, which is the only other passage in the Old Testament that potentially gives us information about this individual. 2 Kings 14.25 says, uh, speaking of King Jeroboam II, he restored the border of Israel from the entrance of Hamath as far as the Sea of the Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke through his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was of Gath Hefer. Now, I think there are a couple reasons why 2 Kings 14.25 should be seen as occurring prior to the beginning of the book of Jonah. Less information about Jonah as the prophet is given in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. To me, that indicates that the readers uh, knew there was an assumption that the readers would have known something about who this individual was. Because there's more information given in 2 Kings 14, I think the assumption is that 2 Kings 14 occurs first, Jonah 1.1 occurs after or subsequent to this. There's also some contextual clues uh, as far as the book of Jonah in its entirety goes. The mission to Nineveh would have destroyed Jonah's reputation in Israel. The people of Israel hated the Assyrians, hated the people of Nineveh. For Jonah to leave the nation of Israel and go to Nineveh, even if the people knew it was at the Lord's command, I think they would have a very hard time welcoming Jonah back and particularly the wicked spiritual ruler Jeroboam II. So I think it makes the most sense contextually and within the text and an analysis of the text itself to see 2 Kings 14.25 occurring first and Jonah 1.1 subsequent to that. So the word of the Lord comes to Jonah, the son of Amittai, and in verse 2 we have the message of the Lord, the command of God. And God says to Jonah, rise up, 
Go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out against it or cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Jonah is to get up and go to Nineveh to pronounce judgment against the city. This refers to his prophetic action. And this word to cry against or cry out against uh, is a way of talking about uh, preaching or proclaiming the word of God to the people of Nineveh. This same word is used in the early chapters of Zechariah when Zechariah receives his visions and he's told to cry out or call out uh, the message that is given to him uh, by the angel and by revelation there. So Jonah is to call out, to cry out against the city of Nineveh. The wickedness of Nineveh here, it says, has come up before God, has come up, God says, before me. Now, a newer interpretation of this has been to say, uh, this should not necessarily be taken as the wickedness of the city of Nineveh, but of the trouble of the city. And this term for wickedness could potentially be interpreted the trouble of Nineveh or its calamity. I think there is at least one strong reason why that is a deficient view, and that comes from Jonah chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 7 through 9 that I think argue strongly against that position. I think Jonah was to proclaim against the wickedness, the evil of the city of Nineveh based on chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. When we get to Jonah chapter 3, we hear the proclamation of the king of Nineveh, and this is what he says in verse 7. In Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink water, but both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth, and let men call on God earnestly, that each may turn from his wicked way and from the violence which is in his hands. Who knows, God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. There are some interpretations of Jonah 1-2 that would say Jonah is to go to Nineveh because Nineveh is having a really hard time. There's a lot of trouble in the city and he is taking the message of God. It's a gracious, gracious message to them to help them in their time of need. I don't think that does justice to the text because of chapter 3, verses 7 through 9, which talk about the wickedness, the wicked way of the people of Nineveh, the violence that is in their hands, and the burning anger of God against the city. So God is upset with the city of Nineveh. He's angry because of the wickedness that they've done. So I don't think it's enough for us to say Nineveh was having a hard time. They were in a time of trouble, although that's very much true of the city during this period. I think they were very wicked, and the primary purpose of Jonah's being called to go to the city is to pronounce judgment upon the city. Jonah was to go and give this message of judgment on one of the most powerful, influential cities in the world at this time. 
And uh, I would argue, and we will see throughout the book, I think Jonah, when he received this message, realized uh, and perhaps even expected that the people of Nineveh, upon hearing this pronouncement of judgment, might or would repent. Now, it's very interesting here. We saw from the very beginning of our series several major themes from the book of Jonah, and the theme of sin uh, comes out from verse 2, from the very beginning here. God is concerned about sin, about the sin of the city of Nineveh. And he is concerned about the individuals within the city. And so he moves to intercede. And he is pronouncing judgment upon the city. So God is concerned about the sinfulness of human beings. Now, what is the response of Jonah? In verse 3, Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from or away from the presence of the Lord. So just as the same word is used in verse 2 and verse 3, God says, rise up or rise, go to Nineveh. The author says, Jonah rose up. He did do what God said to one extent, but not to go to Nineveh. He rose up to go away from the presence of the Lord, to flee as far as humanly possible. We're told the location is the city of Tarshish. Now, we're not exactly sure geographically where Tarshish was, but most scholars conclude it was a port in the far western area of the Mediterranean Sea. Perhaps this was the furthest western port that was known by the Phoenician sailors in the ancient world. Some scholars actually place it as far away as uh, the southern point of Spain on the Mediterranean. If that is the case, Jonah is told by God to go east across the Fertile Crescent to Nineveh. He goes in the opposite direct direction to go west, and at not only west, but as far west as he could possibly go to run from the presence of the Lord. Jonah sought to escape the Lord's presence, and so to some degree there must have been some idea that if he just got out of Israel, he might be able to flee from the God of the nation. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit Emmaus.edu slash partner.